Hello, friends. This is Andrew Gomison, the host of the Speaking for Him podcast. Very excited to welcome you to a new episode this week. How are you all doing? I am sitting here in my warm house looking out at the snow. Um, I had an impromptu snow day today um, because of how bad the weather got. Uh, Potter's House was actually one of the few schools whose, whose school schedule was not called uh, because of this mess. But uh, I'm excited to see that it has stopped snowing, and I think we have clear goings tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to getting back into class with my students. I was able to do some virtual work, so I'm excited about that, and I'm really excited about today's episode. I know I say that often, but today I get uh, the chance to uh, interview someone whom I've known for most of her life and a good amount of my life. Uh, I think when I met her, um, I was a teenager and she was just a young girl. I have recently discovered that she was a content creator on YouTube, and her channel is Danielle M. It came to light to me that she struggled with what is identified as selective mutism, and she will share that as part of her story Um, But I'm just really excited to share how God has worked in her life to bring her from a place of great anxiety to now where she creates weekly YouTube videos to encourage people to glow for Jesus. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. I'm just really excited to share this interview with you. But before we do, I want to talk to you a little bit about what is going on. As I mentioned, I am home today from the Potter's house because of the snow, grateful for safety and warmth, and please be careful if you are local to the area and you are out on the roads in the snow. It seems like whenever it snows, people kind of forget how to drive, so just be kind and respect everyone who is on the road with you. Well, today I have two kind of interesting Stories to share from you from the world of the media and our culture. And the first one is I'm pretty excited that Sarah Huckabee Sanders, former press secretary of Donald Trump, is running for governor of her home state of Arkansas. We begin with the breaking news update. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is running for governor of Arkansas. The announcement made this morning on social media. Good evening and thanks for joining us for Fox 16 News. I'm Kevin Kelly. I'm Donna Terrell. Sanders now joins Attorney General Leslie Rudlich and Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin in the race. Our Jay Burr joins us live with more on Sanders' platform and how opponents are reacting to the news tonight. Jay. Yeah, good evening to you guys. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders making that official today. Really not that unexpected. It was really just a matter of when would she make that announcement. But in that video that she uh, put out there on social media this morning, she leans heavily on her experience in the White House to show the citizens of Arkansas she is ready for the governorship. In an almost eight-minute video, Sarah Huckabee Sanders makes it official. So today, I announce my candidacy for governor of Arkansas. She touts her time as President Trump's press secretary has hardened her to be able to handle the governor's job. I took on the media, the radical left, and their cancel culture. And I won. 
as governor, I will be your voice. Her opponents, Attorney General Leslie Rutledge and Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin, say they've known her for years and consider her a friend. Both have supported her as press secretary, but Rutledge says that won't qualify her to be governor. She has two uh, competitors already for the primary for the Arkansas governor job. One is the current lieutenant governor and the other is the current attorney general of Arkansas. So that should be a fairly interesting race. And one stat of note is that Donald Trump won 62% of the vote in Arkansas in 2020. And so it is widely thought that the Republican nominee, whoever it is, will be the front runner for that race. And knowing what I know about um, Governor Mike Huckabee's uh, time in the governor's mansion and his reputation as someone of high character and biblical morals, I'm excited to see what Sarah Huckabee Sanders will do in the role of governor. And this is interesting in a variety of ways because a lot of times people say, well, conservatives hate women or hate strong women. Um, But I think that's laughable because um, President Trump's last two press secretaries that he had in the position while he was in the White House were both very strong women. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders was one of those. And so I'm, I'm very excited to follow her campaign and to try to support it from a distance. I definitely will be giving her my prayers. And I'm excited to see what she will do for the state of Arkansas as she gets in. Um, the current governor is term limited, so this is a wide open position. So please be praying for Arkansas as this this um, campaign unfolds and develops. Of course, we are facing our own um, campaign for governor here in the state of Michigan for to see who will challenge Governor Whitmer in the 2022 election. So much to pray about here on the state level as well. My next story that I want to share with you is I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the voter fraud uh, issues that have cropped up in this election. Now, I, I know that many of you will say that Joe Biden is the president and there's nothing we can do about it. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to say Joe Biden isn't my president. I said that last week and I stand by it. However, I think that this interview that George Stephanopoulos did with Rand Paul really clearly outlines some of the issues of voter fraud that really did occur. And I think we do ourselves a disservice by not acknowledging it and seeking to deal with it head on as we go into future elections. Why do I say this? Because there was at least one story um for the Georgia Senate elections that took place after the presidential election in the first part of this month, where there was a growing number of Republicans who said that they would not vote again in the recall because they were discouraged by what happened in the general election with the presidency. Do I know for sure that that made a difference? No, but it certainly seems a little odd to me that both of the Senate seats in Georgia went to Democrats. And from what I can tell, um, by a fairly narrow margin in at least one of those cases, 
So I think we need to be fair and honest and talk about some of these issues. One of the big issues for me, and it will be talked about in this clip, is the issue of mail-in voting. Now, I understand that given the pandemic, mail-in voting could in some ways seem like a, a decent answer. But I feel like the way that we arrived at mail-in voting is not a very good way. Because even if I were to believe that mail-in voting was constitutionally legal or legal in the way that we do processes in the state, it was not very well outlined. I never once heard any anyone who was involved in the election process come out and do a press conference and say, this is how we are going to do mail-in voting in the state of Michigan. It just became kind of one of these foregone conclusions that, yeah, we will mail out these ballot requests and then you can send them back and you can vote by mail. I think it was a very unorganized system at best and downright illegal at worst. And so I'm going to play this clip um, of this interview between Rand Paul and George Stephanopoulos from ABC, and then I'm going to make some additional comments. This election was not stolen. Do you accept that fact? Well, what I would say is that the debate over whether or not there was fraud should occur. We never had any presentation in court where we actually looked at the evidence. Most of the cases were thrown out uh, for lack of standing, which is a procedural way of not actually hearing the question. There were several states in which the law was changed by the Secretary of State and not the state legislature. To me, those are clearly unconstitutional. And I think there's, a, there's still a chance that those actually do finally work their way up to the Supreme Court. Courts traditionally and historically don't like to hear election questions. But yes, were there people who voted twice? Were there dead people who voted? Were there illegal aliens who voted? Yes, and we should get to the bottom of it. I'll give you an example. In my state, when we had a Democrat Secretary of State, she refused, even under federal order, to purge the roll of illegal voters. We got a Republican Secretary of State, and he purged the rules. It does Paul, make I have a to, difference, I, and those things I, I have, have to stop occur. you there. there no, no, no election is perfect, but there, there were 86 challenges filed by President Trump and his allies in court. All were dismissed. Every state certified the results after investigations, counts, and recounts. The de Department of Justice, led by William Barr, said there's no widespread evidence of fraud. Can't you just say the words, this yeah. election was well, not what stolen. I would suggest is what I would suggest is that if we want greater confidence in our elections and 75 percent of Republicans agree with me is that we do need to look at inte election integrity and we do need to see if we can uh, restore confidence in the elections. Well, 75 percent of Republicans agree with you because they were fed a big lie by President Trump and his supporters who say the election was stolen. Why can't you say? Well, I think where President you make, I think, I think where you make a mistake. And, uh, hey, George, 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 where you make a mistake is that people coming from the liberal side like you, you immediately say everything's a lie instead of saying there are two sides to everything. Historically, what would happen is if I said that I thought there was fraud, you would interview someone else who said there wasn't. But now you insert yourself in the middle and say the absolute well, fact is that everything I'm saying is a lie. Well, because, I say Senator, I said what the president said was a lie because he to. said, hold we're on a second, to. he said the election was stolen, this election was not stolen. This The results were certified in every you're single saying, state you're after saying, counts you're and saying, recounts. You're saying, let's talk about the specifics of it. In Wisconsin, tens of thousands of absentee votes 
had only the name on them and no address. Historically, those were thrown out this time. They weren't. They made special accommodations because they said, oh, it's a pandemic and people forgot what their address was. So they changed the law after the fact. That is wrong. That's unconstitutional. And I plan on spending the next two years going around state to state and fixing these problems. And I won't be cowed by liberals in the media who say, there's no evidence here and you're a liar if you talk about election fraud. No, let's have an open debate. It's a free country. Okay, so there are two things that I want to mention before we move on. First of all is the fact that, as I said before, we've had a lot of elections in my lifetime. Never before have we had one that emphasized mail-in voting. And so when we had people come out before the election and say there is no evidence that mail-in voting causes problems or is open to more voter fraud than normal, it was kind of a nonsensical thing to say because we had never experienced a mail-in voting election. And now we have, and now we have situations where there was some pretty clear voter fraud. And I think it does need to be addressed before we move forward to another election cycle um, because of some of the reasons mentioned in this interview. First of all being that many states did not go through a legislative process to make this into a law to say that this is legally something we are going to do from here on out. I don't feel like they spent time planning their process for collecting mail-in votes. And then, of course, you had in Wisconsin, which is mentioned by Rand Paul, where these people did not put their addresses on their ballots. They had just names, and there were thousands of them, and in previous elections they would have been thrown out, and in 2020 they were not. Now, would this have made a difference in the final result of the election? We don't know. But we're living in a time now where we have an American electorate who does not have faith in the election process. And so these things need to be investigated independent of whether the right man is in the White House. Because if people aren't confident to go to the polls and vote, we will not have fair and honest elections where the people's voice will be heard. And I find it ironically that that is something that the that the left always says. They want every vote counted. They want every voice heard. Um, but when conservatives express concerns about that, then they don't know what to do with it, and they just hem and haw and get upset. This is not something to be ignored. Our founding fathers wanted this to be a nation for the people, by the people, and of the people. And so it's very disappointing that when people have concerns about the way this election was handled, that they did not really have a voice. Because as Rand Paul said, in most cases, none of this evidence was heard. It was thrown out um, with the excuse that the people doing the lawsuits, didn't have the standing to offer them. Continue to pray for this great nation. 
Well, I am very excited about today's interview, um, and I will be uh, interviewing my friend uh, Danielle, um, who yeah. uh, goes by Danielle M on YouTube, and I'm really excited to get into that. But before I uh, introduce her, I just want to share with you the verse I picked for our quote of the day. And the reason that I picked this will become apparent as we talk. But one of the things Danielle talks about on her videos is to glow for Jesus and to make a difference for his kingdom. And so I thought of this verse, Matthew five sixteen: let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. So, I'm just really excited to share with you today uh, the story of someone who does that on a regular basis. And so welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you. And that is one of my favorite verses. And I hadn't even known you were going to pick that. And so just kind of funny. I love it. Well, I think God has a way of putting things together and orchestrating things. Yeah. So just another example of that. So that's pretty exciting. All right. Well, my first question is just to get some background on you. Um, tell me a little bit about your growing up years. Okay. So growing up was pretty good for the most part. I think we're going to probably get into some of the not so good parts, but um, I would say mostly it was honestly really great. I had great Christian parents who were faithful in church. They were supportive and just all around wonderful. Couldn't have asked for better parents. Um, I was raised in Michigan. I had three brothers. I'm the only girl. And, uh, yeah, we pretty much had an ordinary life. I lived on, in this little town called Kent city. And I had my three very best friends who were all basically my neighbors growing up. So I felt pretty spoiled in, in that regard. Well, and what you may not know is that um, my mom and Danielle's mom were childhood yes. friends. So yes. um, we actually <laughs> go back a long way. Um, yes. So that's kind of an interesting thing. So tell me a little bit about the family that you have now. So I've been married to 15 years now to my husband, Rob or Robert. And I have two beautiful children. My daughter, Lael, is now 12. And my son, Levi, is nine. And I'm homeschooling them. (laughs) Uh, It's a daily struggle. (laughs) But a a wonderful one. Um, We have a greyhound named Mister. He's our dog, the easiest kind of dog. So that's the kind I like. And a cat named Chai. And we even have two hermit crabs. That's interesting pet choice, hermit crabs. How did that happen? I don't recommend. (laughs) I don't know. We lived in Florida for like 11 years. Um, I'm in Wisconsin now. So, um, but I think it just was like a Florida thing to do maybe, (laughs) but they're not good pets because they are called hermit crabs for a reason. They just are in the dirt most of the time and they live for like 25 years or something crazy. So we, they're part of our family for a really long time now. (laughs) Now these, these two questions may overlap. So I'm going to ask them together. 
I want to know how you came to know the Lord Jesus personally, because that's really what we talk about here on the Speaking for Him podcast is how to know Jesus personally. And if you know him, how to know him on a closer level. And then the second one is, um, can you explain uh, selective mutism and a little bit about your struggle with it? Because that's one of the things that you have talked about on your YouTube channel. So if you could kind of elaborate on those two things. Yeah, for sure. And this is part of why I said for the most part, my childhood was good. I did um, have selective mutism. And if people don't know what that is, it's basically an anxiety disorder um, that shows up in children to the point of being like a phobia of speaking. And so I had selective mutism probably from the age of three, I think it started to show up. And I had it um, until I graduated um, high school, and then it kind of emerged into some other mental health problems after that. But I did come to know Jesus when I was around nine years old in my Sunday school class with my Sunday school teacher, Cheryl, who I was blessed to see this past summer and give her hugs and tell her how much of an important part she has been in my life. So that was a lot of fun. Um, But I would say that although I had a relationship with Jesus when I was nine, I really wasn't living for the Lord in my teen years. And I, after I kind of dealt with my mental health problems, I rededicated my life. And really, that's really when I fully just started to try and live my life for God every single day. And that was around my 20s. Well, I can definitely relate to um, coming to know the Lord at a young age and then having to come to grips with some difficulties. Mine were physical um, and, and just just uh, believing God when he said that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. That was really difficult for me. Um, and when I was a young teen, I, I hit rock bottom after my brother passed away and, and really felt like life wasn't worth living. But I'm thankful mm-hmm. that God pulled me out of that and um, gave me a ministry um, and so I, I really, I see similar things in, in your life. You go from this youth that struggles with selective mutism and all of a sudden a while back, I'm not exactly sure when I realized that you were doing YouTube videos. And so <laughs> yeah. can you tell us about how your YouTube channel came to be? Yeah. So, um, I, like I said, I dealt with selective mutism for a long time and I really didn't even know what selective mutism was. So that's really, that was really difficult for me knowing that I was, I knew I was different from other people just being so frustrated with why can I not talk to people? Because when you have selective mutism, you really want to, you still have all these thoughts and ideas of things you want to say, but you just, it's almost like somebody has their mouth, their hand over your mouth and you just can't talk this was very frustrating and and not knowing what that disorder was never knowing anybody else who had it was really hard for me and so I think because I never had help with my selective mutism that really ended up even though I started to being able to talk I started to deal with other mental health things like agoraphobia 
and just being scared of people and being scared of being in certain situations. And I would just give myself panic attacks and I had so much anxiety. So after I got help for those things, I, I got some counseling because it got to like a really bad breaking point for me. And so once I got help, it was like a light switch for me <laughs> of like, I don't have to live chained to those things. Like God did not create me to live in fear. And that's what I had done my whole life is I just, I lived in fear. And so I really wanted to do something. I almost, I almost wanted to run in the other direction and just fully, you know, use my voice and use the abilities and the gifts that God had given me. That is an amazing story. And it reminds me of the 180 that the apostle Paul made because he was running one way to persecute yeah. the believers. And he had this, this vision in his life that his zeal for God was going to destroy the followers of the way. And then he meets the Lord on the Damascus road and, and does a 180 and turns his zeal into his ministry for the Lord. And to the point that um, toward the end of his life, he said, I am innocent of the blood of every man because he took every single opportunity he had to share the gospel. And that's convicting to me. And I just, I, I watched your, you a lot of episodes of your YouTube channel. I actually went back and watched the very first episode and oh, no. <laughs> the latest episode. So I could see some of the progression. Um, but I think the first video that I remember watching uh, or that I remember clearly anyway, was the one that you did uh, I think you called it the dollar store challenge where you, you took some dollars into the dollar store and you, you hid them among the items so that people would yeah. have some money to spend at the dollar store. And I just remember thinking that's a really simple thing. It's not expensive, but yet it probably made a difference in the lives of the people that you touched that day. And I know it made a difference in your life. Yeah, thank you. Um, that's really what I try to do for my YouTube channels. I try and um, help other, inspire other people for, give them ideas of things that they could do. Because I know like myself, a lot of times you just you get so caught up in your day to day that it's not because you don't want to be a blessing to other people, but we just have these to-do lists, you know, and we're so focused on, especially as a mom, right? With my kids, it's like, okay, go to school, get get this done, go to the grocery store. And it's just like, bam, 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 until you get home and you go to bed. And so I really want to give people ideas and help inspire them to keep their eyes open to, hey, you know, I can just put a couple dollars here in the dollar store, or I can do this and show them that it's not hard things, but these little things can make a difference. So what are some other highlights of this journey as a YouTuber? What are some of your the video experiences that stick out? There is so many. <laughs> um, a lot of the things that have been a huge blessing to me are things that have honestly happened off of camera. Um, as far as a lot of the relationships I've been able to build in the selective mutism community that I didn't have before, a lot of friendships that I've been able to form um, with other people who had selective mutism or who still struggle with it. I've been able to help so many parents. I get messages all the time from parents who have kids who have selective mutism and just being able to give them some advice and insight into the way their kids 
feel and how they think. And so that's been a huge blessing. And then um, also, um, just some of the relationships with people that I've been able to have. I know that you had mentioned um, some of my early videos. Well, when I first started doing YouTube, I thought I was going to do these segments called Stories with Strangers. I don't know if you watched any of those. They're very old. (laughs) But basically, I was going out with my kids and just talking to complete strangers. I mean, this was obviously pre-COVID. It'd be really hard to do now. (laughs) But um, I was talking to strangers and just asking them basically if they would sit down and have a conversation with me and kind of tell me about their life. And um, it was hard because I was dragging my two kids along with me. And sometimes it would take a couple hours for me to even get one person to say, yes, I'll um, have a conversation with a complete stranger and then have them also say, yes, you can record me (laughs) at the same time. So that was really hard, but it was so rewarding as far as like, I was able to sit and pray with so many of those people and some of them I still text and message um, today. So that's been a huge blessing. And then, you know, I try and be respectful of certain things I put on my channel, respectful to the people I talk to, because it's not so much about them as it is trying to inspire my audience to reach people. So um, like, for instance, there was a video where I went to the laundromat and we just paid for people's laundry. And um, that was really fun and being able to talk to people off screen and have some, you know, really genuine conversations with those people was just, it was a blessing to me. It's so much fun. And if I can even say one more thing is it's very encouraging to me. One of my favorite things is when people message me or they text me and they say, hey, you know, I decided to go do this thing like they wrote a letter to a stranger and gave it to them and just these things that they would have never done before but I helped encourage them to maybe be bolder than they would normally be and so those are probably my favorite little little blessings that's awesome you know I I've definitely noticed through this um, podcasting journey I've met a lot of great people and had a lot of opportunities to share people's stories. I really, I do, you know, a lot of episodes by myself, but I, my favorite episodes are when I can have people on and just, just share their stories of what God is doing yeah. in their life. So this is really exciting for me. So you've you have talked about um, your kids a couple times, obviously they are important to you, but can you tell me a little bit about how these projects and these vlogs have had an impact on their lives. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Ask me in 10 years. <laughs> no, um, I I know they think it's cool for the most part because they always want to tell their friends and they just think it's so exciting to say my mom is a YouTuber, you know. Um, Levi is more sensitive as far as some days he will just tell me, mom, I do not want to be on the camera. And so I try and be really you know, respectful of him when he's feeling that way. I will not put a camera on him or even my daughter if she's having off day and she doesn't want to be. I won't record them. But there's other days where they are just begging me like, mom, can we do, you know, this video or can we go do this thing? So that's always fun. But I just 
really have to try and be sensitive to like how they're feeling that day because it wasn't their decision. You know, it was mine. Um, but overall, I hope that through, you know, going along with a lot of these videos or at least watching me do it, that, and whether it's for a video or just in real life, day-to-day life, that they see that loving all kinds of people takes action and sincerity and not just words. So I hope that that is a takeaway that they're getting from this. That is great. And I also think they really like the food videos. Let's be honest. (laughs) They do. It's also their favorite. Anything where mom might embarrass herself is definitely their favorite videos. Well, maybe you should do more of those. (laughs) I know. Um, You know, sometimes it's hard to think of what have I not done yet that might be fun to do. You know, I'm sure you have the same thing. It's like, what? I, you know, you write a list and it's like, man, I'm just, I don't want to get dull. I don't want to keep doing the same thing. Got to keep it interesting. Oh, absolutely. And of course (laughs) I I hear every episode over and over again. And through this 2020, I went from recording in a studio and having another person edit and executive produce my show to learning how to do all this at home and finding the equipment to move home permanently. So things have really pivoted for me throughout this uh, 2020, which leads into um, a, a question that is coming up, but we'll start out with, do you have a favorite Bible verse? I do. (laughs) Yeah. And I actually, I say this verse in my prayers probably every single day, um, just asking God to help me with it. And um, prior to this verse, it's, it's in Ephesians, it's Ephesians 619. And prior to Ephesians 619, it's going through putting on the whole armor of God. But I feel like this verse in particular is kind of like the, um, the clincher, if you will, for putting on the armor of God. And I really like the way the King James Version says this verse in particular. And it says, and for me, and then I always put myself in that verse. And for me, Danielle, and, you know, whoever's listening, put your put your name in the verse and just makes it come alive. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And so um, somebody who dealt with selective mutism feeling like I couldn't speak or I don't speak well. Um, this verse just always speaks to me and just asking God to help give me utterance when I feel like sometimes I just want to be quiet <laughs> and hide away. That is very interesting because I have a similar uh, testimony verse. It's, it's I wouldn't say it's my favorite verse, but one story that really helped me as I was coming to the beginning of my ministry and surrendering to my ministry was the story of Moses and how God told Moses through the burning bush. He said, go and let, um, and go and lead my people out of Egypt. And Mm -hmm. Moses for a chapter and a half makes these excuses about why he can't do it. And finally he says, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. I can't do what you're asking me to do. And God just says, go, and I will tell you what to say. 
And there was really a situation like that in my life where God was like, okay, just go and do what I have for you to do. And I will continue to open doors for you. And I really needed that. And I always tell people, if you're fighting God, don't waste your breath. Cause I, I spent a good nine years of my Christian life fighting God for the way he made me. But when I came to the place of acceptance, then I was able to begin to do great things for God. And, and I know that in all the uncertainty um, that we have going on today, the one thing that is certain that is that if you're doing God's will, then he will keep you and it will be a success in the way that he wants it to be a success. We need to be careful when we talk about success because he doesn't have the same definition of success as we might have, but everything that he asks us to do will be a success. Um, That's the promise that he made to Joshua and he makes the same promise to us. So that leads me to, to a question that I think is relevant, which is uh, what has God taught you in 2020? Um, we just finished 2020. We're in 2021. There have been obviously some crazy times. I remember for me, it was really difficult to um, be in the house for, I think, 82 straight days. And if you had asked mm-hmm. me on day one, if I could make it 80 days, I would have said, you're crazy. But taking it one day at a time, I made it. So what would you think is the biggest lesson God taught you in the last year? Wow, that's a big question because this year, I feel like for everybody, right, has been so incredibly difficult. Um, I, you know, let a, the pandemic alone was hard, but um, one of the hardest things actually for me in 2020 was when my husband was, well, we came to the decision together. We knew it was what God wanted, but it was still very, I was still very stubborn, if I can say that, <laughs> um, about it. And that was moving from Florida, which I loved. I loved living there. I loved our church community, my kids' school community. I just felt like we were very spoiled there and blessed. And having to move from that sunny state back up north where I said I would never go again (laughs) to Wisconsin. And that has been so difficult. And so um, I'm a person who doesn't typically like change at least change that comes quickly I like to take my time and think about it and mull it over and 2020 was a year full of lots of changes and quick changes and having to adapt and so something that I had to learn really well was just leaning on God and understanding that he's in control of everything And he has a purpose, like you said, for every struggle that we go through, it's not in vain. And he's going to um, be glorified through it, whether we can see it the side of heaven or not. He has a reason for it. I think that's the one of the things that you said there at the end is one of the keys is whether we see it this side of heaven. I think of Job a lot because Job never got all the answers to his questions. Um, As a matter of fact. When he got done questioning God, God started questioning him. And for for two or three chapters in the end of Job, he keeps asking him questions about the creation and about all these things that only God himself would know. And even Job, as righteous as he was, had to realize um, in that moment 
that he was a sinner and all he could do was put his hand over his mouth and say, okay, God, you know, what's best. And God never gave him all the answers. Um, at least this side of heaven to why he suffered what he suffered. He just said, it is what it is. And we see some of the behind the scenes because we see in the early chapters, how Satan went before God and, and targeted Job. But we also see that God only allowed Satan to do whatever God allowed him to do. He wasn't given free reign over Job. And so everything that we go through goes through God's hand. So that's a real comfort to me. And I hope it's a comfort to everyone listening here in the early days of 2021. Before I let you go, Danielle, can you just tell us where to find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. So I try and keep it real easy. And on all my accounts on whether you're on Facebook looking for me or you're on YouTube looking for me or you're on Instagram, I have my name as Danielle M and my name is spelled weird. It's pronounced weird too, I think. Um, And so it's spelled D-A-H-N-I-E-L-L-E and then M. Yeah, when we started this interview, I kept hoping that I would pronounce it right. Danielle, but I just didn't want to get it wrong. Well, yeah, you're just- I'm so thankful that you took the time to um, do this interview. I know it was another adventure outside of your comfort zone, but <laughs> yes. thank you for for blessing me and for blessing the listeners. Folks, if you want to find some really fun, quick ways that you can bless others, check out Danielle's YouTube channel at Danielle M., um, she has some exciting content up there. And like I said, she has some really fun videos too. Like in, um, October, I think they did a, um, they did like five different, uh, specialty drinks that they put together yes. and had fun, uh, drinking. I know there was ice cream involved and anytime you get ice cream <laughs> involved, that's a good thing. So I yeah. hope that you will check out her content and have some fun and really see that, that Christians need to have and show forth the joy of the Lord. And thank you very much for doing that, Danielle. Uh, For those that are listening, I hope that you'll share this with your family and friends, and I hope that you'll be encouraged as we move on through this year. And I hope that above all, you will keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.